Friends, you are in for a treat. Today, we will discuss the key to learning and tapping into your child's potential with Jessica Parnell, the CEO of Bridgeway Academy. For today's show notes, visit VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Look for episode 354, Tapping Into Your Child's Potential. Bridgeway Academy, established in 1989, is the leader in homeschool education. With products ranging from individual classes to full-year curriculum to a private accredited academy, Bridgeway has everything you need for homeschool success. They've revolutionized the homeschool experience by introducing personalized, customized programs and the packages that fit your students' learning and personality style. For 30 years, they've been supporting families and organizations through homeschooling, helping craft the experience that fits your unique needs and goals. They've learned a lot about what works and what doesn't. As a Bridgeway family, you get the advantages of that knowledge without the bumps and bruises they gained along the way. Bridgeway Academy is your trusted partner for kindergarten through 12th grade home education. Visit homeschoolacademy.com for more information. That's homeschoolacademy.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with another episode of Vintage Homeschool Moms, and I want to give a shout out to our sponsor. We are so blessed to have Bridgeway Academy as our sponsor for the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, and you can find out more information about Bridgeway Academy at homeschoolacademy.com. And I have a very special guest on the line today, and that is Bridgeway Academy CEO, Jessica Parnell. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, I am so excited because um, we've been talking a few minutes before we um, got on the line, and uh, you have a background in education, and I just love your story about how you came into homeschooling. Um, the, before we do that, uh, listeners, you can find the show notes for today's episode. Um, go to VintageHomeschoolMoms.com and look for How the Brain Works. So, Jessica, how did you get into homeschooling? Well, I did start in the world of education as a teacher. I taught at public school. I was the uh, director of English education for high school as well as the director of gifted education and in the state of Pennsylvania uh, parents are required to meet with a certified teacher at the end of every year to review their portfolio and kind of give a stamp of approval to submit to the school district that the student has met the requirements so for years before I even had children before I was married I was working with homeschoolers meeting with them reviewing their portfolios and just seeing the incredible outcomes of homeschooling as well as the, the incredible variety within home education and what one parent would choose for geography, someone else would come up with a different creative way. So a lot of exposure to homeschooling uh, as, as a young mom. So when it was time for me to make an educational decision for my children, it was, it was an easy decision because I had seen those outcomes and really was excited about training my own children and teaching my own children through home education. I love that. I love that story. And so you did homeschool and now you are 
um, the head of Bridgeway Academy tell us what that is and how you know parents can learn more information about it. Sure. Yes, Bridgeway Academy has been around since 1989, and I uh, got involved with Bridgeway Academy as a young mom. I, I came home from the classroom to raise my kids, be an at-home mom, and was able to get involved with Bridgeway Academy on a part-time basis, just supporting students and supporting parents who are homeschooling their children. Bridgeway Academy is what you'd almost call an umbrella school in, in homeschool circles where students can enroll or parents can enroll their students with us. It is home education, but we start by getting to know the students. So when they enroll with us, we test them. We want to know how do they learn best? What is their primary personality style? Because that affects curriculum choice as well, as well as their academic level. And then we meet with parents to find out the level of engagement they want to have. Do you want to be an active teacher? Do you want independent study curriculum? And because we don't publish our own curriculum, we have scanned the landscape and we work with over 40 different publishers to put together the perfect fit for each student based on all of those factors. So that when the parent gets that uh, package of curriculum for their students, it's not just tailored to their students, but it's also tailored to the dynamics of their home. And because many of the curriculum is designed for schools, we've also created one-to-one -one instructor guides, taking that curriculum and putting it in this context of how do you do this one-to-one? -one? How do you add creative activities and fun and engagement? What are some online connections that you can use to enrich the curriculum? That's all mapped out for parents. So it's a simple pick it up and, and get creative and, and become a partner with your child as you learn for the year. Wonderful. So this is um, for anyone, no matter, because obviously we, this podcast goes worldwide. It's not just the U.S. Um, and we have listeners from all over that are maybe military families. Um, and so this is something that they could join and then do from wherever they are. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, it, it is home education. And we actually thank you for asking that because we also have a full suite of online courses. So for those who are mm -hmm. also too far away or, or sometimes in some countries where it's very difficult to get the print to them, they can take they can take their courses online as well as live online. So lots of variety when they when you work with us. Wonderful. Well, that's great to know because um, I know that there is a real need for that. Um, a lot of parents want that additional help with their homeschooling. And, uh, and so now we're going to let our listeners hear how knowledgeable you are because we are going to be talking about how the brain works and how, you know, we can tap into the brain for our child's um, you know, potential, which is so important. So, um, you know, what are you, you know, finding now? Because I know you've done a lot of research and, um, you know, basically because this is how your academy is even set up. But what are some recent discoveries about the brain that you can share with us? I think one of the most important discoveries about the brain, which I think we all knew intuitively, but science was saying the opposite, uh, is that the brain truly is plastic. It truly is growing and, and reforming and creating new neural pathways throughout your life. There, there was a time when everybody said, this, by this age, your brain is finished developing and that's the end. You are who you are. But that the, mm -hmm. with recent, uh, what, not necessarily so recent any longer, but very recent when I started right. my study of neuroscience was the fMRI 
uh, ability to see the brain in its functional. So as it is functioning, the, the new fMRI machines are able to show the brain as it reacts to different things. So how does it react to stress? How does it react to painkillers? How does it react to happiness? They're able to see that through their studies and see what parts of the brain are engaging in all of these different reactions. And we've learned a lot about how emotions affect learning, about how new neural pathways can be developed, how kids who have learning disabilities can, do, can overcome those learning disabilities, not mm -hmm. just compensate for them because of the neural pathways that can be developed throughout your life. So that's been exciting and it's very exciting in education, especially because many times we work with adults as well who are coming back and saying, hey, I want to learn new skills. And there's no longer this kind of stigma that you are where you are and that's the end. As I said, we knew right. it instinctively, but it's wonderful to have the science behind it. That is so true. And I love that because a lot of parents don't realize um, the impact they have as homeschool parents and how they're able to bring their child to the highest potential. Um, and so that's important um, for all parents to know a lot of times, you know, there is that, you know, am I doing the right thing, which is wonderful that you have this academy, that you can come alongside them. They're still in charge. They're still, you know, um, overseeing their child's education, whether it's totally with handpicked curriculum for them or, you know, online, uh, Jessica, this is such a great service um, for parents that sometimes worry, you know, am I hitting everything I should be hitting? And it really does change year to year, depending on your child. Yeah. Um, I can attest to that. So wonderful. And so, you know, uh, uh, when we think about the brain and the studies, um, you know, we also think about working memory and I want you to share, you know, what you mean by that and how that impacts a child's learning potential. Oh, sure. Yeah, the working memory is, is basically a term we use for the prefrontal cortex, which is the very, very frontal uh, section of our brain on the front of our frontal lobes. And it is responsible for pretty much all of our conscious thoughts. So making the dis making decisions, understanding, recalling, deciding, memory is here, um, imagination is here, that's all happening here in, the, in what we call the working memory or the prefrontal cortex. And this, so as you can hear what it, the functions of this part of the brain, it's highly key to learning. Um, I often use an example of kind of thinking of your, your working memory as a stage. So if you're sitting in, a, in an audience of the stage and you're watching a play, you think about all the things that are happening on that stage, actors coming in from the side, sometimes they come up from the audience and they're moving around and they're interacting with each other. That's like the information that's flooding into your brain as you're t going about your day. And there's so much information coming in all day and you have to decide what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to. So it's like all of that information coming in and then as you interact with that information, it's like those actors interacting on the stage. So you're kind of looking at, okay, what, did, what information did I have before? Let's, let's interact together. Let's determine, make decisions about this. That's all happening on this stage or this working memory. And then when you think about, too, where you're focusing your attention, you think about that spotlight. 
spotlight on the stage, that's the, the attention you're giving, the focus that you're giving, and the prefrontal cortex is key to deciding that as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a huge, I mean, we, we desperately need this for learning, for self-control, for solving problems. In fact, if, if you think about it, it was your prefrontal cortex that got you here today and that helps you um, as you conduct these interviews and you talk with us and ask questions of me and, and maybe it's mm -hmm. your prefrontal cortex that controls the impulse to hit the mute button when I'm talking too long because <laughs> you're controlling those impulses. That's all happening here in the in the prefrontal cortex and for our kids that's uh they're they're engaging that all day long as they're learning and that's uh, such a great visual and that's also a learning technique because because I was able to visualize everything that you were saying because my you know my learning style is more visual. I can now place that and I can explain that to someone. So I absolutely love that. So parents, I don't know if you caught that, but Jessica just taught us another little key to teaching by giving us this. Um, that was wonderful, Jessica. Well, thank you. Yes. Well, when you think about this, this thinker or this, this working memory, it is also very, very energy sapping. So, you know, there's a lot of studies that show that about 20% of our energy consumption goes to this working memory. So when you're thinking about your day and teaching and learning, uh, we do, uh, I like to talk about ways that you can kind of preserve working memory because when you use that energy up, it's, it's exhausted and it doesn't work as well because of the energy that we've used up. So love to talk a little bit about some of the ways that you can preserve that working memory as well. Yeah, I would love to know that because I always say that um, after four o'clock, especially when I was homeschooling, I would say to the kids, don't ask me anything important after four because I felt like I had maxed out my my mind. And then I read something about that, that we make so many decisions during the day that at some point it's almost like we're out of the decision making, um, you know, so I'm, I'm interested to hear how how you can preserve that. You know, so what, first of all, what affects working memory? Well, you just gave a great example. Every single decision is taxing our working memory. Uh, in fact, Steve Jobs, we all know him from Apple. He used to wear mm -hmm. the exact same outfit every single day because he was trying to reduce his decision making because he understood the need to keep that, that, that working memory working well. Um, but some strategies you can work on first off is really know those energy sapping subjects for students. So if your child struggles with math and we know that the working memory is, is going to be energy sapping and they're going to run out of energy throughout the day, when will we schedule math? Right? We're going to schedule it early when their brains are fresh. Mm -hmm. um, now right. again, this we do adjust this based on kids and I'll, I'll share a story about my daughter if time allows. Um, but also, if, if they do struggle with kind of that analytical side of things and mixing things up, too. So we, we might start with the analytical math, and then we add some fun and maybe some history or story, and then we may come back to science. So we're mixing up how we're using our brain um, to, to continue to help it to re replenish itself. Um, and one of the best ways to get your brain ready and re-energized is move. So when I started homeschooling, I'm a bit of a type A, so I wanted to get my kids to be, you know, hey, I love afternoons. We're going to go spend the afternoon hiking through the park or whatever. So I'd be pushing them to get finished throughout the day so that we could stop at noon and go enjoy the rest of the day. 
and they're getting exhausted because their brain is being taxed this whole time as we're moving from course to course to course and not taking, not stopping. And after starting my study of neuroscience, realized, okay, just that little break, just that five-minute break helps re replenish the brain. But more importantly, if I give them a five to ten-minute break where they're moving, every time they move the spine, they're sending new electrical signals up to their brain and getting it ready to think again. So adding movement to those breaks and making sure we were running or exercising or doing something really made all the difference as they came back to refocus on, on what they were learning. Um, and I found then with those 10 minute breaks between subjects, we finished at noon. <laughs> right. <laughs> so suddenly things were easier. And so it was, it's definitely wonderful to, to get to know the science behind these things and implement it and see, see the difference that it can make. Um, right. And, and they do, ahead. yeah, they do that at business meetings. You know, I've been at some very detailed, high intensity types of meetings where they tell you to stand up, you know, and stretch and do that kind of thing, because they obviously are aware of that. And I understand, you know, your perspective, too, as a parent, you just want to be done. And my kids, they had the goal at noon. I didn't put that goal on, on there, but they did, because they had activities that they wanted to do and spend time with before. Uh, I have a sports family. And so they, you know, had, you know, practice and things like that. But they had that. So that's wonderful um, to know that. So parents, that's another technique, a five minute break or 10 minute and then, you know, some kind of uh, movement uh, that can accompany that. Um, wonderful. So go ahead. I'm sorry you were saying. Yeah, you no, know, just along those lines of other strategies. So I'm very much an auditory learner. So once you tell me something, I have it. And mm -hmm. so when I was first homeschooling, I was using that learning style with my child and I'd read her a story and ask her questions, very Socratic method kind of thing. Uh, my mm -hmm. oldest, it worked great with my second one, didn't work so well with. And we, we learned that, okay, sometimes the, 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 obviously students learn differently. So we needed to find ways to, to get information off of her, her working memory so that she could process so learning to write things down, just a simple having, having, you know, when you think about your grocery list, if you've written, if you've memorizing your grocery list and you're going about your day trying through the grocery store, trying to remember it, it's difficult when you're interrupted with a question from a child or you have to think about, okay, I have to adjust this recipe. Whereas if you've got it written down, your working memory is free and completely free mm -hmm. to be able to think about the next thing. So writing those things down, getting them off the prefrontal cortex. Uh, is another great strategy. And then as I did earlier, trying to give you that metaphor for this with the stage, um, telling stories, developing metaphors, these are great strategies to help students take that information and store it in long-term memory because we've now engaged the emotional side of the brain and therefore it frees up their working memory to be able to make those more critical thinking tasks because they're not trying to mm -hmm. retain information at the same time. Right. I find that with myself that um, I'm in charge of a lot with the network. I have two networks and a business. And a lot of times when there's so much going on plus home life, I, it's almost like I shut down. And then if I do have a minute to think, oh, my gosh, just like all the stuff pours out. So, you know, that's important for us as parents to have that little bit of downtime. I know if you've got little ones and you're listening to to me, you're saying, you've got to be kidding me, Felice. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. you know, get up, 
you know, 10 minutes early if you can, or just because that little bit of time will really help. And sometimes it's that aha moment where you can figure something out that was difficult, you know, walk away from it and then, um, you know, give yourself that break. But I'm, I am so, this is like, so my mothership, I love all this <laughs> stuff. And so it, it's, it's exciting to hear you share this and I'm learning things as well. So, okay, so we know why it's important, right? Because you've now, you know, written it down or gotten it off of your working memory so that you can have the thought processes. But is there anything else you want to share about its importance? Sure. And just before I do that, I want to just echo what you said about taking breaks for mom. So I've been talking about giving your kids breaks, but Mm-hmm. Such a good reminder, and and for those moms listening, one of the greatest gifts you can give your kids is ownership. And even if you're sitting down in the middle of the day and taking ten minutes and telling them you have to figure out your ten minutes, go go keep yourself busy. This is my time. You're teaching them. They're teaching them ownership. You're teaching them self responsibility. Uh, so take that time because it, as as you mentioned, when when we are so exhausted from putting everything into our kids Um, we are not at our best and so when those difficult times come up sometimes we react in ways that we otherwise would not react Mm -hmm. so that that break is so important but one of my other favorite strategies to preserve working memory is um, what I call what we is to get that information into your different part of your brain which is your basal ganglia this is the part of your brain that drives habits so, Lisa, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, since you kind of indicated that you have grandchildren, I'm assuming you grew up in the same, um, some of the same commercials that I heard. Uh, so, if you <laughs> recite with me, if I start this commercial, you tell me if you can join it. If I started to say two all beef patties, could you finish that with special, me? Uh, I'm trying to remember what that is—a special sauce. sauce lettuce, <laughs> Pickles, onions on a sesame. Onions, yeah, recognize yeah that? that was a burger. Was that Burger King? That was the McDonald's was the Big Mac. <laughs> was it really? It was, yeah. <laughs> I, I, okay, I flunked that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when, oh, you, when you didn't recognize that, right? As soon as I started to say it, you, you right. stumbled. I knew it was one of them, right? Yeah, and it's right. That's the that's your basal ganglia kicking in. These things that we've turned into habit, um, we don't. It's 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 first of all so much more powerful. It does not need use as much energy. So when you can get information down there where it becomes habit, I remember many times doing the flashcards, multiplication flashcards, and then I meet parents and say, "Oh, you don't need that anymore." And well, you kind of do because if you can get those mm-hmm. math facts down into the basal ganglia where they become habit and instinctive and routine now your brain is free to take it to the next level when you hit algebra and some of these more critical thinking activities because you're not taxing it just trying to calculate out the multiplication or the or the large addition problem so the more you can get into that habit and routine uh, the better and the more you free up your working memory to be able to tackle the more challenging tasks so I've encouraged people Music, use recitation, use memory. Um, go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Yeah, I want to. I want to share with you. Um, I, I totally agree with that. We, I think because of the era that I grew up in in the educational system, because I was a teacher as well, 
And that is, they were so bent on creative because they had, it was almost like the, the, um, you know, the approach of going from one extreme to the other, the pendulum swung creative because it had been so focused. And I think it did kids a disservice. I'm always saying, you know, you've got to find your passion and you need to give kids time to think. That's one of my bandwagon, you know, type of soapbox things. But this, you were so right about the whole flashcard thing, um, because, um, and and this is where I want to ask you a question too. Is there an optimal time? Like I have a friend whose children were gifted. Her husband was a doctor and forget what her major was, her whole family. They grew up in a family of both sides of the family. There were doctors, but um, her children were very bright and her husband insisted that the child they homeschooled you know, learn the periodic table of elements at a young age, because he said their ability to memorize at that age was so, um, you know, much better. So is there an, uh, and she did, (laughs) she she is brilliant, but was there a time or is there a time when it's optimal? You know, not that you can't always do this, but um, where you would do more of the what you know, we, we always call the rote memory, but it's so important because these facts, whether it's learning the states and capitals or um, you know the, the names of the presidents or things like that, you know my grandkids could recite the preamble to the Constitution. You know that was something they learned when they were super little before they could even read. Right. So just what your input would be on that. Yeah, well first just just to keep in mind as the ki- as the, as our kids are growing, their brains are taking in information in this uh, unbelievable pace. And they're just gathering all of this information, they're creating all types of neural connect pathway connections. Just it's it's crazy when you start to look at the the difference between what's happening at those young ages and and then as you get older. But then we we start down this stage of what they call synaptic pruning, and this is when you start to the, it's it's really true the use it or lose it. So they start to dis- mm-hmm. the brain starts to 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 put away the things that we're not using. So for memory is a great example. If we're starting those the, to teach our kids memory and continue to teach that memory those memorization skills through scripture, through math facts, through whatever we utilize to, to help them work on their memory skills, the brain's going to keep that. And the brain, those neural pathways, that skill will continue all the way up through life as long as we're continuing to practice that. But if we start to say, okay, we're not going to utilize this any longer, it's not so important any longer than you're right, it becomes more difficult. It's something we have to start to retrain our brains to do. So when you begin young, you are helping them hold on to those skills that the brain is continuing to use so that it doesn't lose it. So you're exactly right. Start young and then those important aspects, just keep, keep utilizing that so that the brain continues to develop those skills. Okay. And then a question that I'm sure people are thinking about, because this, you know, hit me as we were talking about this, how, and we could probably do an entire podcast, Jessica, on this topic, but how detrimental is the digital age to our child's, you know, ability? Because I'm watching my college kids now, my two youngest, and my son made the comment, and he is very bright. And, um, he said to me, well, I don't need to remember that because I can just, 
mm-hmm. you know, Google look it up. It. <laughs> That's right. Yep, I know. I was trying, I was refraining from that word. Because <laughs> that just like makes me see red. Like we do not have these digital devices. I, I am, a, I, I, as we can see, I own a podcast network. I'm, you know, using digital information here, my computer, my phone. But I have this, this adversity to relying on digital all the time. I mean, we, where would we be without GPS? You know, my husband and I talk about that all the time. We were sharing how we used to have to look at maps. And then because we're of the era, of, you know, you had a map to go somewhere. And then, whoa, we had MapQuest. And then we print out the five dozen <laughs> sheets because it was before you could send it to your phone because our smartphones were the size of, you know, this massive thing. I used to remember trying to find a purse that would fit the phone. It was that big, you know, and then they got so small, right? You lose them. So, so what, what does this digital age have to, you know, how is that not, I don't want to use the word ruining kids, but, but causing them to forget. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You're right. This could be a whole different podcast, but um, I think number one, we're becoming very dependent on that, you know, quick answer to things. And we're not necessarily developing the skills even to determine if that quick answer is correct, right? Because we, mm-hmm. we right. type in that search bar and boom, that's the answer. Well, it might not be the answer. Uh, but we are seeing not just uh, from the academic side and the lack of a focus, we're seeing uh, more scattered attention spans as a result. But we're also seeing, as you know, as a parent, as, as even young adults know, that social aspect has become so difficult because the, the skills learned in interacting physically with people and face-to-face with people are very different skills than a shooting of a text. Um, mm-hmm. and so a lot of that we're seeing this, this generation struggling with because they have not developed those skills. Uh, so you're right. The digital age, I'm sure that it has some benefits. There's a lot of individuals who say, hey, because you can search something quickly, we can spend more time in critical thinking. But we're, we're seeing a lot of, um, like I said, struggle with attention span as well as the social aspect of things. And just even the critical learning that just because it's on that screen does not mean it's true. Um, right. So learning that the, the ability to dig in and determine what is what is right, wrong and true or false. Right. Very good. Well, girl, we are out of time, but I am excited to share with our listeners that uh, Jessica sent me so much great information. I was so excited about this. We are going to do a follow-up podcast after this one, uh, so you'll find it next week if you're listening to Vintage Homeschool Moms, and if you're listening in the archives, it may be there already, but we are going to um, discuss emotions and learning in the next upcoming podcast. Jessica, it has been delightful to have you on and um, want to thank you again for your sponsorship and really um, have been so impressed by your information here. No, oh, thank you. I, I truly enjoy it. You can tell I'm a passionate about it. And so thank you yes. for the opportunity to share. Wonderful. Well, guys, you can find the show notes at Vintage Homeschool Mom. And the topic today is tapping into your child's potential. And I also want you to check out Bridgeway Academy. Uh, go to homeschoolacademy.com to find out more information about this wonderful product that's out there that can really 
come alongside you, the parent, and help you in your homeschool journey. Take care, God bless, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and TheVintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.